0: And welcome to the 158th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And joining me, just a quick out across the Harpeth River, here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton.
1: Well, uh, if we're basing on this week's uh, week of practice, I will be catching that uh, quick out. So uh, that's a good thing. But uh, one of the highlights from this week was actually... uh, a up-and-coming, uh, sort of new uh, Italian ice company su- uh, surprised us at practice on Wednesday and brought us all Italian ice. And uh, let's just say it was illegal how good, uh, or has to be illegal how good this Italian ice was. So if you're ever in, in Nashville and you want some good Italian ice, uh, go on Instagram, find Rocky's Gourmet Italian Ice and try to just find where they are because they're mobile. And it's incredible. So just I'd give them a shout.
0: All right. Well, uh, maybe we can get Rockies to be the official sponsor of the pod. But uh, I know that our third amigo there in the second city uh, like some Italian ice, a man who coming from us tonight, not from Lincoln Park, but instead from Lincoln Square, it's our intrepid
2: blogger from Big Ten and counting, Josh Cook. So first of all, I don't believe I've ever had Italian ice in my life. So uh, I don't assume I'm out. And uh, second of all, yeah, that's right. I've got a super early morning meeting to uh, kick off my weekend. So I am crashing at my girlfriend's place and she is live with us and uh, she's developing some interest in football. Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Thank you. Happy to be here. Interest yeah. might be uh, putting it strongly <laughs> But I am definitely trying. (laughs) Well, he already paints her chest every game. It's pretty crazy. All right, all right. Uh, Crazy because I'm not wearing anything. It's just paint. So that's (laughs) the crazy part. Hey, listen, they do
0: it in the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition every year. So uh, you've got to be doing something right there.
2: Yeah, they stole that idea from me. <laughs>
0: exactly. All right. Well, uh, week two is here upon us, and we're going to get into some of the bigger games in a little bit like we always do um, later on in our deep roots. But first, we're going to hit some quick slants. And so, Josh, I'm going to throw it out to you first.
2: Yeah, my first quick slant is a very intriguing Sparty at Sparky game. Uh, I was pretty bad on Arizona State in our preview, not a big Herm Edwards fan, but they looked pretty crisp in their opener. Uh, They've got a nice offense going. Manny Wilkins is a really good college quarterback. Michigan State, not so much in their opener. I think this game is going to kind of set the tone for Michigan State. Are they going to be a contender like we all thought, or are they just going to kind of middle through the season and a little bit of a warning, obviously, to Michigan State? Big Ten teams do not do well when they travel out to Pac-12 schools, especially the Arizona programs.
0: Yeah, remember when Wisconsin went out to Arizona State a couple years ago and there was the big gap by the referees that didn't allow them to get the final playoff, and they ended up losing that one. So, um, you know, uh, we all predicted Sparty to be pretty good this year. I picked them to be second in the East. So they're going to have to show a lot better against Arizona State than they did against Utah State last week. Coach, what's your first slant?
1: Well, my first slant, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna head down to Crimson Tide land, uh, where the Crimson Tide are welcoming um, for a hefty fee. Actually, uh, they're actually paying the Arkansas State Red Wolves 1.7 million dollars to make the trip to Tuscaloosa. Uh, the spread on this game is 36 and a half, which is really interesting because Arkansas State is a perennial contender for. Uh, the Sunbelt title. So, um, if I'm a betting man, I'm probably going to take. I'm probably going to take Arkansas State um, in that. Um, also, the over under is sixty five and a half. I might even take the over on that because I think uh, Arkansas State has a chance of putting up some points. But you know, I said that about FAU last week, and you, know, you see where that got me. So, um, <laughs> but the, the the story here is, uh, you know. You know, we're going to talk about the uh, quarterback situation, so don't ask me. Uh, wait, no, that's just what they <laughs> told uh, Maria Taylor at the end of the game. So, um, but Tua T- Tagovailoa, however you want to say it, I don't know, um, he's going to be starting quarterback for, uh, for the Crimson Tide. Yeah,
0: what do you think the ratio is there, like 70-30, Tua to Jalen or there, thereabouts?
1: Yeah, I, I I think since he came out and named – uh, Tua as the starter for this game. I think you'll see more of a heavy lean towards Tua um, because I think they've pretty much got an idea of who they want. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he plays knowing that he's the starter um, and kind of maybe being comfortable and he might play even, even better. So uh, a couple names to look out for, uh, for Arkansas state, justice Hansen. uh Extremely experienced. We, we talked about him at length in the uh, conference preview. And uh, Warren Wand, who stands at a stout five foot five, has already topped 2,000 career rushing yards. So uh, Arkansas State, uh, we, we can't say enough about how explosive their offense can be. So uh, they will cause some fits for Alabama. I, I don't think this is going to be any sort of game where we're looking at upset. Alerts or anything like that, but I just thought some of those things were, were interesting. And, you know, the storylines, obviously, you know, the, the quarterback situation there at Alabama. So, uh, it, it'll be fun to see kind of how Tua responds to being the full time. I don't want to say full time starter because I'm sure Jalen will have some packages in there, uh, built in for him, but, uh, for the most part, it's, you know, it, it's to his job to lose now.
0: Yeah, it's a to a show at this point. Well, for my first slant, um, I wanted to look at a couple games featuring American teams on Wednesday. Show Josh mentioned Temple. They lost their opener to Villanova, and the Owls are going to have to pick up the pieces quickly. And that's because Lance Leopold's Buffalo Bulls uh, started the season on fire, albeit against Delaware State, and they are coming into town this weekend. Tyree Jackson for the Bulls had six passing touchdowns in their route over Delaware State. Temple, on the other hand, couldn't get anything going against uh, the Wildcats of Villanova last week, especially on the ground. They only averaged two yards per carry. Combine that with the fact that the Bulls have one of the better front sevens in the group of five, I think Buffalo is going to win this one by double digits. I don't believe in Temple this year. I think they've lost some of that Temple toughness uh, with uh, Coach Rule going down to Baylor, and I think that Buffalo is going to be one of uh, one of the one of the big stories to follow in the Group of Five this year. So give me Buffalo on the road here. Elsewhere in the American, there's a big early season matchup between Memphis and Navy in Annapolis this weekend. Navy returns to the mainland after getting absolutely gutted by the Rainbows last week, and they've got to face another potent offense in Mike Norville's Tiger squad. In his first career start last week, Brady White picked apart Mercer. He can be completed 79% of his passes for 358 yards and five scores. The Middies gave up 436 of the air last week. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see it happen again. Uh, big number uh, from Memphis and I did not like the way that Navy looked last week against Hawaii and uh, uh, Josh speaking of Hawaii, I think that's where your second slant comes in.
2: It is yeah for uh people in the central time zone this game starts at 10:59 so a good way for night owls and football fans to uh watch some exciting football because the Warriors have brought back the June Jones style run and shoot they are passing it all over the field Cole McDonald is well this is through two games gentlemen he has 846 yards and nine touchdowns
0: yeah it's a good start
2: uh so yeah That's decent. Yeah. Hawaii, uh, they went to Fort Collins, knocked off Colorado State, and then just bushwhacked Navy a week ago. They get Rice, who is one and one, barely beat an FCS team, and was beat up pretty good by Houston a week ago. So, Hawaii, great chance to get to three and one. That then changes the perception of this team. They have at Army and Duquesne their next two weeks. You got to figure out the absolute worst. They're going to be four and one. Then they travel to San Jose State, who's just a train wreck right now. They could easily be 5-1 and one before the calendar even turns over to October. If that happens, then it's kind of like, does this team win eight, nine games? Like, totally changes the perception of Hawaii can get this 3-0 start, so I'm excited about that game.
0: Yeah, I think with Hawaii being so good and uh, some of the other Mountain West teams looking really strong in the first week, like we saw Boise State uh, absolutely rolled Troy, Utah State put up a good good fight against Michigan State, Uh, you know, uh, uh, San Diego State at least uh, was in it for a half against Stanford, as was um, Wyoming against Washington State, you know, Mountain West this year is going gonna, is gonna to be making a push for the best group of five uh, conference, I think, on the season. Uh, Coach, what have you got for your second slant?
1: Well, for my second slant, I won't, I won't uh, dip into the SEC um, still. Uh, I won't stay in the SEC. Uh, talk about a few games that are, uh, that are happening. Obviously, two that we'll get to in our deep roots, Georgia, South Carolina, Clemson, Texas a and We'll talk more about them later. Um, Then you've got the the aforementioned uh, Arkansas State-Alabama game that I just talked about in my first slant. Uh, Colorado Mm -hmm. State is hosting uh, the Razorbacks, Pig Suey of Arkansas, uh, a conference game. Uh, Kentucky is traveling down to the Swamp to take on the Gators. Um, Alabama State is looking for state supremacy. Um, They will be taking on Auburn and Jordan Air. Uh, Wyoming is traveling to Columbia to take on the Missouri Tigers. That'll be an interesting matchup there. Uh, Southeastern Louisiana is taking on 11th-ranked LSU. LSU after an impressive uh, debut to the season. Uh, East Tennessee State is taking on uh, the Vols down there in Neyland. Uh, The Salukis are traveling to Oxford to see if Ole Miss is for real or not. And then, of course, uh, the last one, and I'll go a little bit more in depth about this one because I think it's a really great matchup that just barely missed our deep roots, and that's Mississippi State traveling out to Manhattan. No, not that Manhattan, Manhattan, (laughs) um, to take on the Wildcats of Kansas State and the ageless uh, Bill Snyder, who I think he just celebrated his 175th birthday. So um, they, uh, Kansas State, they survived uh, a scare in their season opener. Um, obviously, and uh, they look pretty good. Um, Nick Fitzgerald is back in the lineup, and it, it you know, they're rolling. And in Kansas State, uh, they <laughs> they needed to rally uh, to beat South Dakota. So, um, going to be a rough deal. But uh, Big 12 Conference Special Teams Player of the Week, I think, is Zuber um, getting it done in the special teams, the hashtag third phase that we don't talk about very much. Um, that's overly important. So, um, you know, with Mississippi State, they're just they, you know, they're going to keep rolling. Nick Fitzgerald being back in the lineup really helps a lot, and really just helps them be uh, explosive and and multi dimensional. So, uh, I like the Bulldogs in this one. They are eight point favorites, and I think they're going to cover that plus more. They're just I think they're 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 too fast. They're they're too big. They're too strong, and and they're much better up front than than Kansas State is. And, and Mississippi State. We talked about them in in the conference previews as being one of the dark horses to actually legitimately contend for the Western Division. So um, look for them. This will be their first really big test to see again. See if they're legit. If they're legit, they'll they'll roll. Um, if not, then they will fold. Um and then anything else in between will just be, you know, hey, we got a really good team on our hands. So uh this this will be one to watch. Uh this is an eleven AM Central Time kickoff on EM. So uh I'm going to stay tuned to this game for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that you know we all really like the hiring of Joe Moorhead there down there at Mississippi State and you know he's you know he's going to vault himself into the upper echelon of coaches. I think they're at least uh, in in division pretty quickly. So, well, a lot of those SEC teams are taking on FCS foes this weekend, and we didn't actually get to do a full FCS preview. So, I'm going to try to fill in some of the gaps that we haven't gotten to yet. With the FCS and the the story of the short season so far in the FCS has been North Carolina A and T. They opened up the year by knocking off perennial contender Jacksonville State. Followed that up last week with a victory over the Purple Pirates in East Carolina. Uh, so, in his first season as head coach of the Aggies, Sam Washington has North Carolina A&T up to number six in this week's poll. Number one is still reigning national champion North Dakota State. The Bison rumbled over Cal Poly to open the season 49-3. to three. Uh, Number nine, Samford, though, uh, they played a school that I had never heard of before last week, and that was the Shorter University Hawks.
1: Coach, are you familiar with Shorter University? Yes, I am. They're located in Rome, Georgia. They are actually recruiting, um, my tight end, uh, Miller Baker. So, um, I wouldn't mind him, uh, seeing him end up there at Shorter. Well,
0: Shorter last week did not do so well. They lost to Samford 66 to nine. So, well,
1: well, Shorter, if you're, uh, Miller Baker will get you over the hump, I promise you. So if you're listening to this. Yeah. Coach, they're, yeah. Coach they're deep. G, if you're listening to this, Miller Baker, you need him.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, uh, shorter D2 school, um, but sick in the FCS. James Madison and Kennesaw State were both not punished in the polls for their opening week defeats. Both teams played valiantly in losses to North Carolina State and Georgia State, respectively. Number five, Eastern Washington, opened their season with a bang against Central Washington, 58-13. to Gage Cabrude, who feels like he's been there forever, he threw for five touchdowns in that rout. Uh, this weekend, they take on t- uh, top 20 Northern Arizona. Finally, New Hampshire, who opened the season at number five. They fell to unranked and the hated Maine Black Bears. Uh, And this week, they've got another tough home test against Colgate. So uh, a couple of interesting games to look out for in the FCS ranks this week. But before we get to our deep roots, let's hit a pop quiz. Gentlemen,
2: Coach, Coach. Josh. Real quick, real quick. Sorry, I mean, you, you mentioned New Hampshire getting beat up by Maine. I don't think that does it justice. Maine was all over them, 35-7. to Watch out, Western Kentucky, Hilltoppers. That's not an easy game now.
0: No, absolutely not. Uh, uh, Fear the black bear, baby. So, um, gents, uh, let's hit the pop quiz before we get to the deep roots. Going to keep it short and sweet this week. There are 13 active head coaches who have coached at least five seasons and won 70% of their games. Your job is to name those 13 head coaches. Josh, I will start with you.
2: All right. Well, run it by me. The winning percentage is 700, 70%.
0: 700. 70% mm-hmm.
2: in at least five seasons of being a head football coach.
0: That is correct.
2: All right. Well, I believe he's uh, at about 90%. So I'm going to go with Urban Meyer.
0: Uh, Urban Meyer, correct. He's number two. He has won 85% of his
1: games. Well, Nick. Um, the- since Urban Meyer's off the board, I'm going to go with uh, that dude down in Alabama. I think his name is Nick um, Sabin.
0: Yeah, Nicky Sabin. He has won 78% of his games in 23 seasons as a head coach.
2: Josh. Josh. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. What, I, I can't sit here quietly thinking for a second?
0: No, this is a podcast. Quiet does not uh, translate very well. <laughs>
2: He was, just, right. he was just painting uh, Kristen. <laughs> um, I think since he's back in the college game, Chip Kelly's going to qualify.
0: Oh, I was I was wondering if someone would pull that one. Chip Kelly, number one all time. He has won 85.2% of his games. Just a hair over Irvin Myers,
1: 85.1%. All right. Um I know he had a really high winning percentage uh, while at Georgia, and I think he's continued that since he's been at Miami. So I'm gonna go with one, Mark Richt.
0: Good call. Mark Richt has won 73.5 percent of his games in 18 seasons.
2: Sunday was not one of them.
0: No, it was not,
1: Josh.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, I think that uh, there's somebody that has been at TCU through a lot of productive seasons by the name of Gary Patterson.
0: Gary Patterson in his 19th season now at TCU has won 73.9% of his games. Correct.
1: Coach. So he said, Gary Patterson, I'm going (laughs) to say. Thinking, thinking, buffering, buffering. Um, I can't say Gus Malzahn, but I will say Gus Malzahn. Oh, Gus
0: Malzahn's so close. He's won sixty eight point eight percent of his games. Just shy. So yes. not quite, coach.
1: All right. Sounds good. <laughs>
2: Josh. Well, I was torn between two names. Um, one was uh, Lovey Smith, and the other was Dabo Sweeney. So I'm going to go with D- Dabo Sweeney. <laughs> Dabo
0: is a good call on that one. 70-C at 7.3% of his games, he has won.
1: Ooh, good call. Should have done that. Um, I don't think he's been coaching long enough uh, as a head coach, so it's not uh, Jesus Christ. Um mm. I'm going to go... With David, Sh- David Shaw. Ooh,
0: good call, Coach. David Shaw is now in his eighth season at Stanford. He has won seventy-seven point one percent of his games.
2: Yay, Josh. Hmm, okay, I've done a lot that I felt confident about, but now it's going to be that time of the quiz where I'm kind of pulling names I sort of feel like so I am going to say that he survived his two kind of learning pain years at Washington and say that Chris Peterson is still of a high enough winning percentage
0: that's a very good call he's number three all he's number three among active coaches he's won 81.1 percent of his games
1: all right. Uh, here's a name that's going to come way out of left field, like from the corner by the foul pole. Um, but all right, I got to ask a, a precursor question. Since mm-hmm. he's an active head coach in mm-hmm. FBS, does his record before FBS as a head coach does it does it factor in? No. Okay, then never mind. Um, I'll I'll go with a different guess.
0: Who are you going to say?
1: I was going to say Craig Bowl.
0: Ooh, that would have been that would have been a good guess, but yeah, not quite.
1: Well, dang. Okay. Um, so I'm down between PJ Fleck <laughs> uh, and Kirk Ferentz. I'm gonna go with Kirk Ferentz.
2: Uh, Kirk Ferentz, Kirk sorry, Ferentz is not even at 600.
0: Yeah, he's not even at 600. Sorry, Coach.
2: It's a legend. I think
0: as soon
1: as I said that, I was like, well, there's a reason why Josh hadn't said that.
0: All right, Josh.
2: <laughs> so is it five years? Did you say five years, five years? Okay. Cause, uh, that kind of next somebody that I was thinking about. Who were you thinking about? Who was I thinking about? mm mm-hmm. uh, Scott Frost. That's what I was thinking about.
0: Yeah, that would have been that would've been yep. good, but he does not qualify.
2: Yeah. So I'm gonna go let's see. I'm going to say that Jim Harbaugh.
0: Oh, Jim Harbaugh is the first person below the threshold. He won sixty eight point eight percent of his games.
2: Oh, it's
1: close.
0: we were close. He was a, so. Coach has two strikes. Josh has one.
1: Ooh, no pressure. Um, Ken? Ne, no. Ken Niematalolo.
0: Nope. Sorry, Ken Niematalolo does not make the cut.
1: Ken Niematalolo? No.
2: Ken <laughs>
0: Niematalo? No. Yeah. Josh, you've already won. Any Any yeah. others on the top of your head?
2: Yeah, and apologies if it was said, and I just kind of zoned out for a second. But did Jimbo Fisher get said? Jimbo Fisher has not been said. He is fourth okay.
0: amongst active coaches. Um, Won seventy eight point three percent of his games.
2: Um, I think he's had double digit wins every year but one since taking over for who I just guessed, which was Harbaugh. So I'm going to say David Shaw.
0: David Shaw's already been
2: guessed. I missed that. Okay, mm-hmm. my apologies. My apologies. You, you and Kristen
1: were were, were making. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there are um, uh, you. You guys have named
0: ten of the thirteen. Okay. I am going? Or, sorry, nine of the thirteen. There are four left.
2: Um, I don't know if he's been there long enough, but um, Harrison of Boise State.
0: Yep, Brian Harrison of Boise State. Yep, he's, he's won seventy four point six percent of his games.
1: And With Steve Dazio.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: Um I would also guess Kyle Whittingham. Ooh, Kyle Whittingham, great
0: guess. Not quite though. Sixty six point seven percent of his games. He is he wins two thirds of the games he coaches, but not quite seventy percent.
1: Just for um, fun, where is might, Paul Johnson on this list?
0: Uh Paul Johnson is uh at sixty-six point three percent of his games, uh one eighty-three ninety-three. Um he
2: might he might have lost too many um one guy earlier in his career and one guy at Vanderbilt. But I have a feeling D'Antonio and Franklin are at least in the neighborhood.
0: Uh, They're actually not. Um, uh, D'Antonio has won 65.7% of his games. Franklin doesn't appear on the top 25. Mm. So uh, the guys, the ones you guys have missed, uh, Clay Helton barely makes a cut. He's in his fifth season at USC. He's won 73.7% of his games. Brian Kelly... At Notre Dame, uh, but before that at Cincinnati and Central Michigan. He's won 70.8% of his games. And finally, Bobby Petrino, 70.5%.
2: Oh, yeah. That's. Yeah, he wasn't at Arkansas long enough to. I really had to crash and burn.
0: So. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, good job tonight, guys. Uh, you got, you got 10 out of the 13. That's pretty good. Um, let's move on to some deep roots. Um, and first on the docket is an sec East battle between the dogs and the Cox. Uh, coach Jake Bentley is one and six in his career against top 25 teams. His only win coming against Tennessee way back in his freshman year. Uh, what does he need to do in order to keep South Carolina in this one against the dogs?
1: Well, he needs to find Debo Samuel, uh, Often, early and often, Uh, Jake Bentley actually threw his career best four touchdowns last week against Coastal Carolina, and I realize it's Coastal Carolina, but um, throwing four touchdowns is four touchdowns, and and that can't be overlooked, but um, again, he's going to have to get great protection from his offensive line. It's going to come down really to the battle of the trenches here. Um, If they can protect Bentley, he's good enough. If you give him time, he can find his guys, especially uh, who I just named Debo. So, um, and he's going to have a hostile crowd, uh, supporting him. Uh, so a hostile crowd for, you know, against Georgia. So that should, that should do him some favors as well. So, uh yeah, just stay upright and find Debo.
0: Uh, Josh, uh, uh, do you see, uh, do you see any way that South Carolina can even, you know, keep it close?
2: I do, and I was uh, looking kind of at some of the tail of the tape in that Coastal Carolina game, trying to get a feel of what do the Gamecocks do well? Was it you know maybe some luck where they're getting a bunch of short fields from turnovers? It really wasn't. It was just uh, Will Muschamp doing something that I don't really give him credit for, and that's having a competent offense. A really nice balance, 294 passing, 263 rushing the ball, uh, no turnovers on the day. The Offensive line, pass protected extremely well, created great running lanes. It is against Coastal, obviously. But if they can, you know, if this is them at maximum efficiency, if they can even be at, say, 60% of this against Georgia, maybe they hang into the game. One thing to look for, South Carolina, nine penalties for 99 yards. A little sloppy there. Uh, This is the type of game where... Maybe a couple penalties uh, bite you in the butt at the end of the day. Maybe uh, maybe a defensive hold extends a drive on a third and long and gives that Georgia offense another crack at it. That's what, you know, uh, I think that Georgia on a neutral field's probably two touchdowns better. I think with that game in Columbia, Maybe USC hangs around a little bit longer than they should, but I'm still going to pick the dogs, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think the dogs are definitely in the pick here. Uh, Coach, how much Justin Fields do you think we're going to see?
1: Uh, I think it's going to be about 80-20 um, probably. Uh, in, in a tight uh, early conference game in such a rough environment, you're going to go with the experience there with Jake Fromm. So uh, I'd be surprised if I, if we see Fields as much as we did against Austin P. Uh, just for – uh, just for the sake of, like I said, just being in a hostile environment. So, um, But one thing that I really like about this uh, game and, and, and a key matchup here is going to be uh, Georgia's explosive receiving core, who who are welcoming back Terry Godwin. And those of you that don't know who Terry Godwin is, he's the one that made that uh, Odell Beckham-type one-handed grab uh, against Notre Dame a year ago. He comes back. He's actually the veteran of the group. Um, and you saw Demetrius Robertson, his explosiveness – uh, we know about Meikle's explosiveness from the national championship and some, some clips last year, but he also had an explosive run too. So uh, it's going to, the, the uh, Gamecocks deep can have their hands full with this receiving core. And uh, I even left out Riley Ridley, uh, brother of Calvin Ridley, and uh, he's a big, tall, explosive target as well um, and can go get some jump balls. So uh, they're not short on talent at the wide receiving spot. So uh, that'll be tough for, uh, for South Carolina to handle, but, Again, um, it'll, it's going to come down to uh, can Georgia protect the quarterback, and if they can, it'll be a long day for for South Carolina.
0: Yeah, I was listening to an interview with a former Georgia head coach Jim Donnan today, and one of the things that he was saying with guys that he had talked to is that um, when when Justin Fields comes on comes on the field, uh, that's when that's when opposing defensive coordinators get or, or get really scared. So uh, it, it's, just, it's interesting to see the wrinkle that he brings in to that offense. But uh, let's head then up to uh, the great state of Pennsylvania. And after not being played for a decade and a half at the beginning of the century, the Keystone Classic was renewed in 2016. And it's always nice to see this matchup between Penn State and Pitt. Josh, the Knits were on the brink of disaster last week against App State. Do you think that they're going to look more like the Penn State we've become accustomed to over the past few years, or are some of the flaws that uh, the Mountaineers exposed, especially in their passing defense, are those going to come uh, back to uh, bite them in the butt against a pit squad that seemingly is always solid?
2: Well, shameless plug, you can read my preview of Penn State. They're so in-depth. There are over 3,000 words each that – I can't even get them all done before the season starts. That's how amazing they are. And Penn State's was literally posted a few hours ago. Uh, in short, Penn State has a whole lot of people taking on new roles on their defense. And a lot of it is just key reserves now becoming starters. They're really talented on defense, but they're not quite there yet in terms of all gelling. And probably where they're the weakest is that defensive tackle and in two of their three linebacker spots. So if Pitt can rush the ball effectively, they can have some balance. They can maybe get Penn State to bring a few of their good secondary players into the box, then that might open up the passing game. Uh, Looking at what Pitt did against Albany, they got to get Quadriolus in the ball more. He was really good in 2015 – kind of went through some injury and also was a little bit bare in the depth chart, but he's back to being a more feature guy. Hits seven carries for 73 yards. I want to see him probably double that in terms of the number of carries. And fun in that Albany game, uh, the great Danes quarterback, just FYI, guys, Vinny Testaverde's son. Oh. Yeah. I thought that was interesting when I was looking at the game notes. But, yeah, I, I think for Pittsburgh, um, they're going to have to – take advantage of those few holes on Penn State's defense. And then the Panthers, for whatever reason, have struggled defensively with Pet Narduzzi. They can't do that. The, we know Penn State's offense is the key for any success they have this year. It's going to be Penn State scoring a boatload of points. So uh, good luck, Panther defenders.
0: Yeah, Coach, uh, you know, obviously they've still, they've still got Trace McSorley there. What's the key to stopping uh, Trace McSorley?
1: Well, um, pressure, 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 and more pressure. Um, and uh, another way that Pitt can put pressure on Penn State is actually on the other side of the ball, uh, on offense. So um, this quote kind of stood out to me, and, and this should be kind of the, the centerpiece of Pitt's game plan. And uh, James Franklin said, quote, it doesn't take 23 years coaching experience to say we didn't tackle well. I think mm-hmm. it's probably the biggest thing that stood out too many missed tackles. So what that tells me is get the daggum ball out in space, force them to tackle and put pressure on their defense. And then what that's going to in turn do is put pressure on McSorley and, and, place all that weight on his shoulders to try to carry the team and, and maybe mount a comeback or, or things like that. So, um, and really just keeping him off the field. Uh, so, uh, just, You know, just continue to blitz him, hit him, knock him down, hurry him, uh, force him into turnovers, things like that, uh, and then hold on to the ball uh, offensively and and really just chew up the time of possession and play field position.
2: Uh, One thing I would say, Coach, I totally agree. They got to get some pressure on McSorley, but it's got to be smart pressure. Uh, McSorley got buried a little bit because of some of his gaudy passing numbers and the fact that Saquon Barkley was so good, but McSorley's a Pretty good dual threat kid. He was second on the team in rushes, second on the team in rushing yards, and second on the team in rushing touchdowns. So with that pressure, I think they need to maybe gamble a little bit and not have someone in pass coverage keep a spy on it. Um, that which then means that you're going to potentially be on an island in with both of your corners if you're sacrificing playing zone in order to have a spy.
1: Yeah, and if you if you feel good about your uh... Man to man or you feel good about some of your corners, then yeah, ab- absolutely. Lock down and and bring it.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's uh, then head next to a, a matchup where Jimbo Fetcher gets to take on Clemson. Again, he left the ACC, but he can't leave Clemson. Uh, as a head coach, He was he's 4-4 four and four against Clemson uh, in his eight seasons while at the head of uh, FSU, but he hasn't beaten them to, since 2014. And if you'll remember, that was the game when Sean McGuire stepped in for a suspended Jameis Winston to win an overtime in Tallahassee. Uh, this year's This Aggie squad, though, is light years away from the overall talent level that was possessed by some of those Knowles teams that he coached. Uh, uh, Coach, how much – first of all, how much Trevor Lawrence are we going to see here? I've asked you about Justin Fields already. How much uh, Trevor Lawrence, the other uh, real big-time recruit quarterback from last year's class, are we going to see?
1: You mean sunshine? Mm -hmm. Um, If they're smart, they'll (laughs) – more than 50%. But – um, I think they're gonna early on uh, split reps. Go you know, probably, you know, two series on, two series off until one of them gets hot.
0: Yeah, Dabo, Dabo seems like a guy who's pretty loyal to his upperclassmen.
1: Yeah, and and if he's smart, uh, you know, they just look so much different when, when Trevor Lawrence is in the game. They, you know, you just see the tempo pick up, the energy pick up. Uh, the, Trevor Lawrence is just. Just and this is not a knock on Kelly Bryant. He's just way better than Kelly Bryant. Just so you just sit there and watch him make throws. It's a thing of beauty, really. Uh, and, and I think it, I think whenever Trevor Lawrence decides to come out, he's going to be the number you know number one pick in the draft. Um, you know, you know he's definitely gonna be top three based on what teams need and who's picking at the top. And usually, if you're picking at the top, you need a quarterback. So, um, I mean, the kid's just super talented. I mean, I I saw him make a, a throw on a corner out last week that. It, Deion Sanders couldn't have got to it, so I mean, it, it was it was probably the most perfect throw. I don't I don't think I could have walked over there and, and told the guy to freeze and handed it to him better than Trevor Lawrence threw it in there. So, um, it it's a thing of beauty. So if they're smart, yeah, the, you know Trevor Lawrence will play more than half the, half the snaps.
0: Yeah, uh, Josh. Though, uh, uh, flipping on the other side of the ball, though, uh, how can Texas A and M move the ball mm-hmm. against this Clemson defense?
2: Yeah, that is that's a good question, and I think you could kind of throw out that Northwestern State game. I don't think uh, Texas A&M will be putting up almost 800 yards of offense in that one again. Um, so I, I did a little little research to just kind of see what's given what's given Clemson some fits recently. So I looked at that Syracuse game from last year. Uh, Eric Dungy, tremendous day passing the ball but he also was pretty competent with his feet, 61 rushing yards, ripped off a 45-yarder. And I looked at that playoff game from a season ago. Uh, Jalen Hurts, more of a running quarterback, hit 11 rushes for 40 yards, uh, did all right passing the ball. So I think what we're going to see is Kellen Mond, a very, very capable runner. He proved that a season ago. I think he's going to need to be a genuine dual threat. I just don't think the rushing yards is going to be coming as easy as it did against Northwestern State. That means that Texas A&M is going to have to tie down Clemson's amazing defensive line by getting them to think about some of that run-pass option. And Calamon is going to have to have a very, very good day passing the ball, but he's also going to have to be extremely good with his feet.
0: All right. Well, let's then next head out to the farm where both Stanford and USC are coming off of solid wins after kind of sluggish starts against Mountain West teams. Uh, They're facing off this Saturday night. We've already talked about uh, the top two freshman quarterbacks in the country, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. The other one uh, who who finishes off that triumvirate is uh, JT Daniels. And so Josh, uh, he looked pretty good against – UNLV in his debut for for USC, but do you think he's going to look as composed in his first start on the road uh, up in the farm, what's going to be a hostile, hostile environment for him come Saturday night?
2: No, I don't think he's going to look as good. Uh, The question that I have, though, is USC was amazing at shutting down the UNLV passing attack. I don't see how they do that against Stanford. They have what's his name? I believe he is about an eight foot tall running or wide receiver. I believe his name Colby is Colby Parkinson. KJ. Whiteside. Uh, Colby Parkinson's is also really really talented, but Whiteside. Old Paul. Yeah, uh, Whiteside's just a freak. Um, The passing game for Stanford was amazing last week. Yeah, J.J.,
0: our our, our Sega Whiteside, his nickname, by the way, is Jaws with two Js, which I think is perfect.
2: So, I mean, USC, yeah, J.T. Daniels looked good, but the Trojans won that game 43-21. They gave up three touchdowns to a team that had under 100 passing yards. The rush defense wasn't very good. I'm concerned about USC. I I think – I think this could be uh, shades of a few years ago when Harbaugh just ran up the score, and Pete Carroll's like, "What's wrong with you?" And Jim Harbaugh responded, "What's wrong with you?" Yeah, um,
0: we're also, also going to get to see uh, two of the St. Brown brothers face yeah. off in uh, at. Well, they're not going to face off against each other, but uh, at for uh, for Stanford, they've got Osiris uh, Osiris St. Brown. And the uh and USC has freshman Amon Ra Saint Brown, who is a high school teammate of JT Daniels as well. Uh both of those are also brothers of Equinimus St. Brown, former Notre Dame receiver. So uh coach, what are you gonna be looking out for in this one?
1: Well, I'm gonna be looking to see if that Stanford offense can continue to be explosive. Um, you know, I was very impressed with KJ Costello in the uh in, in the season opener and uh, Colby Parkinson and, and, and my man Joss. Um they're just so explosive and then you know just to see how they get Bryce Love involved and you know just kind of see how he does against this Trojan defense. And you know, uh Stanford's offense is something that we thought was going to center around Bryce Love and you know the passing game was going to kind of just trickle out and kind of be stemmed off the run game. But you know, it was really truly balanced and I was impressed with KJ Costello more than I thought I would be. So, um, can USC make adjustments, put pressure on Costello? Can they lock down uh, Jaws? Can they find an answer, you know, offensively with with JT Daniels? And, uh, you know, can they, you know, can they answer the bell? You know, it's going to be a hostile road environment. First, you know, first big start for a true freshman. Can he answer the bell? If he can, USC will win. Easily, if he can't, then Stanford's going to roll. You know, I, I think it's going to be lopsided one way or the other. I, I don't think this is going to be a close game either way. Um, I think you know a couple factors here for USC, it could get, it could get lopsided that way. Couple, couple breaks here for Stanford, they could get lopsided in their favor. So, uh, it's going to be a really interesting game. One, one that I want to pay attention to for sure.
0: All right. Well, let's to our final Deep Root of the week, and that is the battle for the CyHawk Trophy, Josh. Uh, you are unfortunately not going to be in the house for this one. I know you wish you could be there. but uh, So I was going to ask you what you're, you're, you were going to be eating beforehand at the tailgate, but since you're not going to be in the house, um, what are you going to be eating at your place to watch this game? And uh, can Nate Stanley look uh, better against... Uh, Iowa State than he did against Northern Illinois in the, in the opening game of the season.
2: Well, the menu for the viewing party is not set. But yeah, Nate Stanley and frankly, this whole offense needs to look better. Uh, they had just three points at halftime. I know they won 33-7, to seven, so that second half looks better. But uh, things were just out of sync. Um, Stanley couldn't really get going. To Noah Fant, the the outstanding tight end, Fant ended with just three receptions for ten yards. The wide receivers were an absolute non-factor, um, and and Stanley just looked it looked off from him. It wasn't like there was a bunch of drops. Uh, he just was overthrowing stuff. Looked like he was mi- missing reads. Uh, hopefully, it was just rust, um, but it was a pretty disappointing start for the Iowa offense defensively, that's the other side of the story. This is a team that graduated all three linebackers. Uh, I know I'm not the only Hawkeye fan who was a little little worried about what the defense would look like, but they held Northern to just 211 yards. Northern was terrible on third down, uh, two takeaways. It was a really nice day defensively. The curious thing about this game is, and maybe Coach can answer this, but... Um, Iowa State, their game was canceled, but they did get to have a series, so they kind of went through almost like a extra practice, but pretty much no tape for Iowa to study. But for Iowa State, not a full 60 minutes opening week. They just played about five to ten minutes of that game before it canceled. So who does that you know, go in favor of, Iowa for having a game under their belt or for Iowa State for not having a lick of – anything on tape
1: so for uh for iowa i think the the best thing that could have happened to him really is not get a whole bunch of film iowa state they know what they're gonna do uh so it probably gives them a chance to just work on them and work on getting uh jason stanley in or nate stanley <laughs> excuse me uh nate stanley back. yeah in i state. don't know
0: who jason stanley is
1: i don't either um probably some accountant over in uh that works for h and r block so um But, you know, 11 for 23, 108 yards, it just probably, you know, gives him a chance to get back on track, you know, get some rapport with his receivers. And it really just kind of take an extra week of training camp uh, per se and and just kind of get back down to basics and and just make sure he's sharp for this game.
0: All right. Well, uh, with that, Josh, uh, let's head to some spread formations. Uh, The season's off to a good start, but in our picks, we are not – Josh, you were two and three last week. Coach and I were both one and four. Let's hope In my
2: defense, in my defense, I was nine, four, and one on the blog. Give me some more Big Ten games and you'll see me uh, do way better.
0: Well, uh, we have one Big Ten team in our uh, spread formations this week, but uh, we'll get to them here in a minute. First, though, uh, coming off of a rough debut for the Chip Kelly era in Westwood, the Bruins have to travel to Norman where they are 30-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road against Kyler Murray and the Oklahoma Sooners. Josh, what side are you on in this one?
2: Well, I thought UCLA was going to have uh, pretty much <laughs> no chance in it to begin with, but then you factor in that uh, starting quarterback, Wilton Speed. He's at least got some experience under his belt. Uh He's questionable for it. If he's already questionable here at Thursday night, I don't see him going. Give me Oklahoma.
0: All right. Coach.
2: Wilton Spate plays
1: uh I would have given UCLA a chance to cover. Uh, but after seeing what Oklahoma did last week, doesn't look like does not look like they're missing Baker Mayfield all that much. So uh, I hate to say it, boomer sooner.
0: Yeah, uh just to be contrarian I I'm gonna take UCLA uh to cover thirty and a half. I still think they lose by twenty-eight points, but not by thirty-one. Uh I, I just I still believe in Chip Kelly, so I'm gonna take UCLA to cover this big old spread. Uh next though we will head uh to Houston Texans. And speaking of ominous debuts, the Kevin Sumlin era did not get off to a fast start. Uh, The Wildcats lost to BYU at home last week. Uh, This week, they have to travel to Houston where Ed Oliver is waiting for them. Josh Houston, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Arizona. Who you got?
2: So this sounds crazy, but Khalil Tate attempted 34 passes. I think... He completed
0: 17 of
2: them. I know, but here's my prediction. He's going to drop back to pass, and Oliver's going to crash that line. Tate's going to go do what he does best, take off and run, and then someone's going to go, why the hell am I not calling all these running plays the whole time? Arizona adjusts, Arizona covers, because my wildcats are going to win. Ooh, I like it. Coach? Uh,
1: Not quite so much of a dramatic uh, retelling there for me. I just think they get back on track and, you know, they pull their head out of their rear end and uh, I think they go down to Houston and win.
0: All right. Well, uh, I've actually, I think Houston's defense, I, I, I think Houston's defense is uh, around at all talented enough to keep them in check. And I'm going to take the Cougars at home, uh, not to just, uh, not to just win, but also to cover. I think Houston, uh, I I've jumped so far off that Arizona bandwagon so fast. I'm still glad I picked Utah to win the PAC 12 South and I'm going to take Houston here, uh, minus three and a half points at home. Uh, next.
1: Hey, let's, let's get, uh, let, let's catch Chris, Kristen. Let's get her involved in the, in the spread formation this week. <laughs> Kristen, are you
2: still with us? No, she's getting ready for bed. All right. All right. Well, Josh,
0: well, Josh, we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll let you get, we'll let you join her in bed soon. Uh, three more games to pick. We'll get through them quickly. Next one, Georgia Tech at South Florida after wins against FCS opponents in week one. Both Georgia Tech and South Florida, uh, get to play their first FBS opponents in week two in Tampa. Uh, the Yellow Jackets, three and a half point favorites on the road. Josh, who you taking?
2: Well, I'm trying to figure out, uh, and I never really did get a good answer for uh, what offense Elon runs because they only attempted 12 passes and they had almost 200 rushing yards and they attempted it 49 times running the ball. So I'm kind of wondering if they've got some option inside their offense. Coach, you know what Elon runs for an offense?
1: I don't, but I will look them
2: up. And, well, it has me thinking that – Georgia Tech might be able to move the ball on these guys. And as a result, I'm very, very, very tempted to say Georgia Tech. And so I am. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach, who you got? I,
2: I'm trying to think about how the Bulls in Tampa, and I like UCF, but I, I just think without Clint, Quentin Flowers, there's still going to be a little bit of work in progress, and then seeing Elon have such a good day running the ball kind of scared me off of them.
1: Well, I'm watching the highlights of this game, and Elon has done nothing but throw the ball. Um, they threw a pick. <laughs> well, they attempted
2: um, attempt 12 passes, they completed six of them. <laughs>
1: Well, there you go. There was two I guess you of,
2: saw all six well. highlights.
1: Yeah, so they're they're a spread option team. Uh, they kind of run like zone option, power read stuff out of the gun. Um, they're kind of more modern, but they have uh, some triple options, some midline option uh, principles to them. All
0: right. Coach, who are you taking in this one?
1: Well, um, given the fact that uh, they had so much – success running the ball um, and such a lack of success throwing the ball. Well, good news for Georgia tech is they don't throw it a whole lot either. And when they do um, it's usually a play action bomb uh, to somebody standing wide open. So um, my heart is telling me uh, bulls on parade uh, because, you know, quite frankly, that would be cool. Um, But my head is telling me that Georgia tech is going to go down to Tampa and they're they're going to uh they're going to ramblin' wreck all over uh charlie strong uh they're going to win a they're going to win a really they're going to win a blowout game 27 to 24
0: Ooh, barely covering that spread. Yeah, yeah, I like the Rambling Wreck here as well. I don't think that the South Florida defense has the bodies to keep up with the triple option attack of Georgia Tech. Uh, next, we are going to head up to the Twin Cities, where Fresno State, uh, coming in off of a, a win last week against uh, now FCS Idaho, they won seventy nine to thirteen last week. That's right. 79 to 13. They ran for seven touchdowns as a team. Uh, They're taking on a Minnesota squad who, uh, you know, took down New Mexico State with ease 48 to 10, but, you know, still are starting a uh, walk on true freshman at quarterback. So, uh, Josh, who do you like in this one?
2: Yeah, this was a game that I wanted to do uh, a quick slant on. I'm glad it made this show. That's why I, I kind of called an audible a uh, couple segments ago. But this is going to be an interesting one. It's a really exciting game because Minnesota has some nice pieces around Annex uh, how will he be? He made a nice debut, was clean in the interception. But I'll tell you what's what's scary for me in that 79-13 to win. The... You could talk all day about the offense, fine. It was incredible, 79 points. But the defense put them in a position for that. The Fresno State defense had five interceptions. They held Idaho to 14 of 33 for just 205 passing yards. And this is a Petrino coach team. This is a Vandal team that is going to probably be pretty good offensively in FCS. Uh, Fresno got a sack. They got four tackles for loss. This was a really complete defensive game. I'm worried about Minnesota finding enough juice in their offense. I kind of have whiffs of an upset, so I'm going to say Fresno covers because I think they might leave the Twin Cities 2-0. Coach?
1: Ooh, uh that's an interesting deal. And I thought about that and I thought, yeah, you know what, this is gonna be a tight game for a little while, but you know, I, I think Minnesota showed me enough in week one that I think they can come out of here with uh you know, with a hard fought win. And I think you know Fresno State that speaks highly of them and how competitive they are, just how how tough mentally they are and just you know, how they compete. And you know but Minnesota You know, they got some strong boat rowers this year. And I I guess the paddle on the helmet really did some wonders for him. But, you know, in in all seriousness, I I think um, Axelrod did a great job in his debut.
0: Axelrod. Hey, (laughs)
1: hey, this is going to be like a rookie of the year type deal where, uh, (laughs) you know, I call him Rosenbagger and Garden Hoser all season until he really, truly breaks out. But, um yeah, Annix Stad, uh, is his is his actual name. I know that. But um, you know, a true freshman, tough uh tough game here against Fresno State. But I, I think he's you know, I think he's ready. I think he's ready. This is gonna be uh his breakout game here. Uh and I think he's going to uh to be victorious in uh, in this matchup. And I think the I think the Ghosts are gonna be two and
0: all right. Uh, Josh, I'm going with you on this one. I think Fresno State comes out of here with a win. I still like Marcus McMarion a lot as the quarterback there at Fresno State. And I, I, quite frankly, I think that Jeff Tedford is just uh, is two or three classes above okay. uh, uh, Captain Boat Rower, P.J. Fleck, when it comes to game preparation. So I, I,
2: I know we don't do analysis and spread formations, but if – I had done this as a quick slant, we talked about it in Deep Roots, just real quick. I think one thing that has to be mentioned is a little bit buried in the lopsided victory. Minnesota was painfully slow to start. Uh, they've got a talented defense. That that was the difference maker. Is uh, I believe Minnesota started with three punts on their first three possessions. I don't think you can do that against Fresno. That that feels like a good way to maybe be down fourteen ten.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or, or
2: excuse me, fourteen <laughs> nothing. Definitely. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's head to our last spread formation. Gentlemen, uh, the Kansas, Kansas Lions are back. Kansas themselves, they lost to FCS Nichols State last week. Uh, they are heading in to Kalamazoo, Michigan, to take on a Central Michigan squad who also lost last week. They lost at Kentucky. Uh, obviously, Kentucky, much better school than uh Van Nichols State, but Central Michigan still not exactly a powerhouse here. Uh, Josh, Central Michigan, four-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Who are you taking?
2: Well, Central Michigan played pretty well against Kentucky. Uh, they lost just by two touchdowns, and they did not hang around that game because of their offense, to say the least. Uh, they had a long day trying to get things going but they did have two interceptions they also had a defensive touchdown. what did Kansas State do against uh, Nichols State well they uh, they weren't particularly good either with uh, <laughs> some fumbles so I kind of like Michigan State potential there Michigan, Michigan state Central Michigan there the other thing I caught my eye uh, Kansas against Nichols State. Fifty-six rushing yards on thirty-two carries against an FCS team—that's that's not very good. And I think the chips are going to enjoy not having to see Benny Snell Jr. or Asim Rose. Give me CMU, baby, Mount All Pleasant, right. celebrate, John. coach.
1: Well, uh, yes, that Vaunted Nichols State defense. I, uh, you know, they, you know, you got Clemson. You got Auburn. You got Nickel State. Um, you know, they're 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 up there in the same category, but um not really, but anyway, uh this game, uh poor Kansas, um, sorry Kansas, you're playing a road game at Central Michigan. You're a four and a half point underdogs to a group of five team. Um for that reason and that reason only, I'm picking the Chippewa's uh because quite frankly the Chippewas are the better team. So, uh, give me Central Michigan. Um, I think they win by 10.
0: Yeah, I don't know why I said Kalamazoo. I, I meant Mount Pleasant, obviously. But uh, Kalamazoo's Western and Ypsilanti. And Ypsilanti's Eastern, yeah. Well, uh, Josh, do you know the name of the Central Michigan stadium?
2: Um, Field. I know it's not this, but just for the sake of saying it, I'm going to say Waldo Stadium, but that's Western Michigan. No, it's a <laughs> Kelly/ shorts Stadium. Oh, you know what? I think I knew that. I just didn't remember it because I did a uh, dynasty there back in the game that is no longer around.
0: All right, well, uh named for <laughs> uh, name for the combination of Perry Shorts and Kenneth Kelly uh, Perry Shorts was a booster. Uh, and a banker in Saginaw, Michigan, who was a big donor to Central Michigan, and uh, Kenneth, quote, Bill Kelly, unquote. He was the coach of the Chips for uh, from 51 to 66. He compiled a 91-58-2 record uh, in his 15, 16 seasons as the head coach there. Uh, nonetheless, Kelly Short Stadium is uh, the home to Central Michigan. But you know what? Guys, I, I don't know what it is. I'm taking Kansas in this one.
1: Let me guess. Do they have a track there
0: uh,
1: at Kelly they, Short Stadium?
0: They do not.
1: Okay. They do not. Okay. I was going to say maybe maybe Kansas feels right at home. I was going to change my pick if you said yes.
0: No, unfortunately, uh, they do not have a. Uh, they, they do not have a track there, but uh, they, they do have the chips. But I think the chips are going down to. Uh, to Peyton Bender and the Jayhawks so just on a whim give me Kansas I, I'm not really sure why Kansas we're going to see you in spread formations all year when a power five team goes on the road at a group of five team and is an underdog that's sad enough in and of itself so uh, but yeah so a, uh, a fun weekend of games here in week two Josh any final words before we
2: sign off I do have one. What's that? Who is averaging 378 yards allowed per game from their pass defense? Colorado State. Guess. Colorado State. That would be correct. That's 120. Was it really? That is correct. That's. They, that's 120th in the country, so you know what that means it means we bear the lead because the Razorbacks are about to go two and zero and add to the misery in Fort Collins. The fight in Bobo's uh, don't have much teeth this year.
0: Oh, Bobo, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening there
1: this year, man. Well, Bobo's had some health problems.
0: Yeah, I, I I know I know he himself has had some health problems, but the Rams, though they're just they're not they have not looked good to open the season. So uh, they got they got beat by Hawaii, and then they got blowed out by Colorado. So the Bobos need to get uh, the Bobos need to get back up off the Schneider this weekend. But I don't I don't I don't know I don't know if they're going to be able to. Um, because, well, uh, you know, quite frankly, um, you know, they've got. Um, they, I mean, with Arkansas coming in, I, I don't know. They can start the season zero and three. I'm I'm a little bit worried about Bobo. I'm a little bit worried about Bobo. Yes. So, uh, coach, any final words from you?
1: Yeah. Um... We uh the Hillwood Hilltoppers are traveling to Clarksville tomorrow night to take on the seventh ranked Clarksville Wildcats. So, are
0: you guys gonna take the last train to Clarksville?
1: Yes. Okay. We we'll I'll meet you at the station. Train. Good. Pick us up and uh bring the bring the hardware with you. <laughs>
0: what wow, uh, that means. Uh last train to Clarksville. Uh Classic classic song by the Monkees, for those of you out there. Um, anyhow, uh, that is going to do us for the Monkees and for uh, everyone in Clarksville, Mid- Ten- Middle Tennessee, and the rest of the country and world listening in here on the Illegal Motion Podcast. So on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten County up there in the Windy City, Josh Cook. And this is the professor in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast.
1: Hi, this is Coach O here for Jackalopes and Jackrabbits. Come on down to Baton Rouge and get yourself some Jackalopes.
0: Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at IllegalMotionPodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at Illegal underscore Motion.
1: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.